You're listening to MeSearch. I'm Crystal. And my name is Dustin. We're two friends taking space and making space for other Filipinos to share their stories and insights. Join us as we talk to folks in the community to discover how they became trailblazers, business leaders, and bosses. Hey, Crystal. Hey, Dustin. Hey, everybody. <laughs> so I want to start us off today by saying hello to Kara Blackston. She Ooh. is a friend of mine and actually sings with me and Grayson in our acapella group, 44B. So if y'all don't remember, Grayson Villanueva is the acapella wizard from our previous episode. And I've confirmed that Kara is our 1% audience listening from New Zealand. <laughs> Yay! Thanks, Kara! Many thanks Woo-hoo. to her and the other listeners from all around the world. Uh, do you have any shout outs to give, Crystal? Um, Yeah, so I do have a shout out. I want to give a shout out to one of the coolest folks that I've had the honor of reporting to at work. Woo. Shout out to Corey. Thank you so much for listening. We've had some really wonderful discussions from our podcast. So it's been it's been nice. It's been nice to have some further reflections with with a listener who just so happens to be a colleague. It's very cool. Yeah. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Corey. If you want to give a shout out or if you want to engage with us for future episodes, anyone out there, we are now accepting audio comments and feedback. So Engage with us. Engage with us. We want to hear from you. We truly do. You can find us at anchor.fm backslash me search podcast. Again, that was anchor.fm backslash me search podcast. Or you can reach us on social media at me search podcast. Slide into our DMs. Slide in there. I, I said it right this time. I said it right this time. Yeah. Hey, you're you're really hip today. Did I tell you that? I'm, oh, thanks. I'm feeling very youthful engaging with you today. Oh, my gosh. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm bringing <laughs> you that, that youthful flavor. My youthful glow. <laughs> Those spring chicken feels. Uh, but yeah please we would really love to hear from you ask us questions um get to know dustin a little bit better give him give him some give him some questions put him in the hot seat get to know crystal a little bit better get to know her a little bit better you know ask personal and invasive questions (laughs) don't do that but you know we want to engage with you we want to talk we want to do a little back and forth back and forth i'm saying yeah so send us some comments send us some questions send us some hate mail (laughs) actually no don't send us hate mail just Uh, love mail yeah just love mail but if you really must that's fine we'll take some critical feedback we're adults yeah we're here for the critical feedback yeah yeah i have a critical question to ask you crystal yeah yeah what's up have you watched any more episodes of Hello, Stranger, or any other BL series? Well, no. 
<laughs> and and okay. I I'm sorry. It's just I I know like it's such a stupid excuse. But like it's it's been it's been quite the whirlwind for me in life the last week or two. Um, so after work, I literally have been getting into bed immediately. Yeah. So and it's been hard to make any decisions, even with like, what do I want to watch after work? So I kind of just uh, I kind of just become a blob yeah. when five o'clock. You know. <laughs> I think it's understandable because, as we all know, 2020 has just been horrible. And yeah. I think the world will forgive you for not watching any BLs this past weekend. Thanks. I, I <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I feel like next week will be better. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there are a lot of BL shows in the Philippines are postponed right now, especially the ones that are currently releasing episodes weekly right now just because of the typhoons it's halted production so it's been a horrible time that's mm, so unfortunate yeah just want to send out our our love and our hearts to everyone in the philippines any anyone who's been affected um by the typhoons we see you and um yeah, if if any of you have the capacity to help out, there are ways to donate online. If if you also have the capacity to do that, um, to to provide any kind of financial assistance to to our kin back in the Philippines, the community organizing group that I used to work with Anakbay in LA has always uh, encouraged folks to donate to NAFCON. Where can people learn more about NAFCON? Um, go online, type in www.nafconusa.org, and that's, again, www.naf, as in Frank, c-o-n-u-s-a.org. Um, and again, if you have the means, if you have the financial means to offer anything you can to our our folks back in the Philippines please um they need our help right now yeah Ugh. hearts go out to you all in the Philippines um yeah but yeah so do you want to you want to talk about who we have on our episode today Dustin yeah, let's get into that. So in this episode, we're chatting with Willis Solomon, otherwise known as Willis the Gorilla on the interwebs. He is a fine arts and fashion photographer, as well as an installation artist based out of Southern California's Inland Empire. He's currently a board member at the Artlands Gallery, a nonprofit creative hub in Redlands, which aims to showcase the talent that the Inland Empire has to offer. We'll get to hear about how he grew into his artistry, his inspirations, and how he's supporting younger artists. Yeah, this guy's great. Let's get into it. Woohoo! Okay, welcome, Willis Solomon. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, yeah. Oh, woo woo! Willis, can you paint us a little bit of a picture of. <laughs> paint us a little bit of a picture. Badoonch. <laughs> He's an artist, folks. Uh, but seriously, can you paint us a picture of where you are at in this moment? I'm in Redlands, California, currently, and 
I am at this nonprofit gallery called The Artlands, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's like a nonprofit organization that supports local artists. The artists here are all throughout the Inland Empire from like, I guess Pomona is like borderline. I think it's technically LA County, but um, Pomona all the way down to Riverside, down to the desert, um, Palm Springs also. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the board. Yay. And they sell stuff online because the gallery is currently closed for <laughs> walk-ins and stuff. Mm-hmm. How long have you been on the board? Um, like a, maybe less than a year. Mm, okay. My um, group that I'm affiliated with is called, we've been kind of like um, on a hiatus, but it's called the Guild Collective. We do like um, local in, Inland Empire creatives and we highlight them. So we'll have like a talk and kind of like what we're doing. And I interview them about what it is to their process pretty much as a creative in the Inland Empire. So I think I'm going to get back into that more but like on a digital level. So that's uh, how I became connected with the Artlands. Ooh, okay. Is there a specific message that you try to incorporate as a collective in, in your work throughout the community? So this is other thing I'm working on that's like a, it's not, there's no, there's no name for it yet, but I'm trying to figure out how, how to integrate it with the Artlands and the Guild. Mm-hmm. You know, like kind of like Faces of New York, kind of thing where you it's just like highlighting people that live in New York and stuff oh humans of New York I mean mm-hmm. I wanted to do something similar purely for the Inland Empire I wanted to highlight people that are from the area that are doing well creatively whether they're here still or moved away to another city or out of state but like um, showing that there is like a wealth of talent that's also from this area to show everyone else in the world that like I don't sleep on the IE mm-hmm. interesting uh, you are a photographer and an installation artist. I think most of us know what a photographer does, but can you tell us about the kind of photography you do specifically? Um, mostly fashion photography for years and then um, jumped into more product and portrait stuff. But um, now coming, kind of swinging back into like fashion and like more fine art photography. Can you tell us more about fine art photography, just in case the folks at home don't know what fine art photography entails? I guess it's like up to interpretation, but for me, I feel like it's more one-off pieces that uh, mm-hmm. aren't necessarily for, what's the word? Mass consumption. Like commercial? Commercial, commercial, that's it. Yeah. So like, it's like less, it's like mm-hmm. one-off and like one piece, one and done. Huh. And then like a, the larger mm-hmm. scale pieces, that will fit like a wall. Like okay. a giant wall or something like that. So it's like it's something that distinguishes you separate from another artist where it's like a, it's hard to replicate and very uniquely to that artist, I think. Mm. So but it's like also, I guess it's more of a kind of like artistic philosophy kind of thing where do I want to make photography that's like you can buy at Ikea or do mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. make it like, how, how do you make it uniquely yours? And I think that's what fine art photography is for me. Do you have like, um, I don't know how to pose this question, but do you have like a specific vibe, I suppose, when it comes to your one-offs? Or is there like a common thread between your different projects? Yeah, what's your vibe? It's always floral related. Floral related. Yeah, I, that's like kind of like my signature, I guess, I suppose, is like more flower or floral related. And they're trying to mix it in with other genres of work, whether Very it's cool. like a physical or video or 
paintings. It's like always, that's like the, the common thread, I suppose, for my stuff is I chose to just run with the flower stuff. Cool. What made you pick that theme, the floral theme? Um, I used to tell myself <laughs> that it was like, it represents growth because like a, mm-hmm. from seed to bud to mm. a flower, it's like, but I mean, it's just super corny, but no. I mean, it is. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> I'm okay with it. But I just like flowers in general. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember those tests like in high school they tell you like uh, those aptitude tests, like what are your careers going to be? Mm-hmm. And like uh-huh. mine was a floral designer and a landscape engineer. I was like, I'm never going to be those. <laughs> like, but now I'm just doing flowers and stuff. Well, look at you. That's you come like, full circle. So, so yeah, they, they, they predicted me. <laughs> Do you have a favorite type of flower? Um, it's from, I like camellias and chrysanthemums. Okay, but okay. But I have, uh, all my tattoos on my left arm are flowers. I have a peony and a cherry blossom. Those two, I think always in the, I think that range of color, I think that pink purple is the kind of where I stay into. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it goes. Nice. I don't know if it's a flower, but I really like birds of paradise because they look goofy. <laughs> is a bird of paradise to you, what are you seeing when you see a bird of paradise? Do you see like a bird's head or do you see, I see. I just found out like a long, not too long ago was that it's a bird coming down like, and the, those hangs are, are the wings. What? Yeah. I think I read that too, but I'm like, I don't think so. I think it looks <laughs> like a beak. Yeah. I always thought it was a bird's beak, a bird's head. Yeah. Yeah. Bird's head, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and even more so like a cartoon beak. Yeah, and then like, if you were to just like place googly eyes on it. Yeah. No, you have, you have to put those <laughs> eyes to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Birds of paradise give me uh Woody Woodpecker vibes. To oh. be honest. <laughs> Yeah, you're on to something. But now I'm kind of in the mood to put googly eyes on Birds of Paradise now. Good. Yeah, that's my new aesthetic, y'all. That's my new aesthetic. Awesome, cool. Um, so can you tell us, uh, Willis, what an installation artist does and what kind of work you do in that medium? So originally, I was uh, I went to school for um, visual communications. Mm-hmm. And mm. so that was, I pretty much worked with mannequins. Like, uh, I did like all that stuff for different, uh, retail stores. And then like, it's pretty much like set design, like, uh, cool. and building, it's like hands-on things that can be kind of like merchandising. But then if you take it out of the consumer or like the commercial aspect, and it's just like a kind of a physical art form that you can mm-hmm. It's all handmade, like, and for people to see visually. Mm. So, like, it's something out off of, like, a that's not a painting, but it's actual three-dimensional. Mm-hmm. But it's not a sculpture. Well, it could be everything, but anything is 3D, pretty much. Right. Like, Interesting. If, like, I were to walk into, I don't know, a gallery, what would be, like, a quintessential installation art work? be like what would i are there any like specific things that i would be like oh this is installation work i think anything in the middle because <laughs> if it's on the wall mm. yeah so it could be hanging on the wall but you know like like flower displays on the wall that are like anything that's three-dimensional i suppose remember the museum of ice cream thing mm-hmm. that's yeah a, that's an installation mm. like stuff like that it's like physical like it can be um 
immersive where you can come in and be part of it, or it could be like separate where you just view it. But it's always like a in real life form to see with your own eyes kind of thing. Got it. Cool. Okay. Okay. Um, just like a kind of a follow up question. Have you have you worked on any kind of installation work that incorporates like live performance? Don't remember if I have or not, but I know I had the idea of it. <laughs> okay, cool. But I know there's like people that do like music and dance related stuff while in a space that was created for something to for actionable area. Like say mm-hmm. like someone built out a whole hallway and then there's like a band or an orchestra with the ballet dancer kind of thing. You just kind mm-hmm. of create a setting for something juxtaposition. But I haven't done that, I don't think, but uh, it's definitely out there. Maybe one day. Yeah. One day. Maybe we can collaborate on something. Yeah, and we can like have people put googly eyes on. <laughs> That's my job, y'all. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This reminds me of this viral video I saw some years ago, but basically it was this lady who was dancing on butter. It was a performance art piece. What? And I think she was dancing to an Adele song. I don't even remember, but it was a, it was a viral video some time ago. It was really funny. Let's look it up. Girl dances on butter. This, this feels like school to me. Did they do (laughs) butter dancing at, uh, at CalArts? (laughs) We need to find this woman and we need to talk to her. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she might be Filipino. Who knows? Cool. Okay, so I guess this is the call to action for today's episode. Google butter dance lady. And if anybody knows who she is, tell her to reach out to us. (laughs) (laughs) Googly eyes on butter. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to take a, just a quick second to, to watch this. Adele Butter Dance. Adele Butter Dance. Oh my gosh, please be careful. <laughs> oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Go get it, boo. Someone oh. like oh. you. I wish nothing but nothing the best. But the best for you. Go ahead, get the high note. Don't Oh man, she's this is so awesome. I kind of wish I was there. That would be so symbolic of like. It it reminds me. It I feel like it's very relevant to 2020. Performance art right there. Totally, I'm so here for it. Um, yeah, I'm here for it. That's me too. For real. <laughs> You talked to us a little bit about your high school aptitude test, and obviously we know now you're not a landscaper and you're not a floral designer, but talk to us a little bit about how you made the leap into art and kind of when you decided, yes, I want to be an artist. Mm. Artistically, I've always just always made stuff, but I do remember my dad was and my mom was crafty like mm. with lettering and my mom would scrapbook and stuff so I'm pretty sure that affected me somehow at one point but I think I've always just been more handy than anything else okay I, I remember specifically deciding to go into the fashion industry like it was like in high school mm. I think I've always done things that you're not expected to do like a what was this like in the late 90s as a 
during that time, like everyone else, like, you know, especially if you're Filipino, you're going to be a nurse or something like that. Ah, uh, yeah. True story. It took a tour of, um, of the fashion district. We we're like in a group. I just remember being surrounded by bolts of fabric and I like separated from the rest of the group. Mm. And I just kind of sat down in like one of the fabric stores like, oh, this is it. How do you think being Filipino impacted those moments for you? Since I think I like doing what I'm not supposed to do, kind of like not doing the expected Filipino thing. Yeah. It felt like I was deviating from what the rest of my relatives and my cousins and whatever. But I think the Filipino part that did affect it on the positive end was like more that building community to make connections in a way that's like more meaningful. Mm. Uh, I think that's what I was maybe searching for. How did your family react to you becoming an artist as opposed to something in the health professions? I think they were supportive. I think they were just like seeing what would happen. <laughs> like, just let them go. Let's see what happens. Because right. I think they, they, I was always like a, not necessarily a troublemaker. As long as he's not like getting in trouble, let's see what he'll do kind of thing. Oh, okay. I think creatively, I was, there's always something there that they recognize. So I think they just kind of like, let's see what happens. I think they're still thinking that now. <laughs> <laughs> And I think I've said this before, but it's, it's funny because I feel like it's relevant for this conversation. But I've been working in my job for quite a while now, but my mom still says, hey, there's still enough time for you to become a nurse. Oh, yeah. No, I can't say that. Every once in a while, I'll sneak it in there. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you talk about like your transition from fashion to photography? I started off working for, for Macy's mm-hmm. doing... Um, all the visual like mannequins and stuff. And I just jumped around retail. Like I moved to Hawaii and worked over there for a bunch of different retail companies. Mm-hmm. Like I was already shooting for fun. And then um, I got offered a job to do graphic design for a women's clothing company. So I just did mostly graphic design. And I said, oh, you know, I do photography. And that's kind of how that started. Then from there, just started uh, shooting more and being exposed more to other amazing like photographers. And then transition into more product and food photography kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Then now we're here. Yeah. So if there's any Filipinos out there that want to work, let's go. Let's connect. Yes. What is it like being Filipino in the visual art space for you? Hmm, I think you know how like when you watch like a American Idol or something, and then there's like a Filipino person, and then the parents, are, oh, she's Filipino. <laughs> yeah. And like, they don't even identify as Filipino, but I think that's the same. I've noticed that now, like, oh, that, that, that photographer, oh, that designer is Filipino. Maybe like there's a, I can connect with them. I think there's a definitely like a sense of pride being Filipino and creative because uh, at least I would hope that they would be down to collaborate at one point, but it's also very hopeful to see someone maybe in the same background as you, like uh, be able to be successful. Or just like following your dream, like you're not even like a successful or not successful, but like just seeing someone in the same shoes, kind of like doing it out there is kind of like, I can do it too. Yeah. But, uh, definitely like you got to work hard to kind of break that stereotype of you're not to be successful. You don't have to be a nurse kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that's part of it too. You kind of like in your head, subconsciously try harder. Like a to please, like to please our parents even. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for real, I feel that. Did you have any examples of 
Filipino artists that you looked up to when you were coming up in this space? Um, Monique Lulier. She was like a fashion designer. And she also went to, I went to FITM and she, she was a FITM graduate. Mm-hmm. And so like, oh, she's like, she sells like really expensive, uh, beautiful wedding gowns. But, um, but there was also like, I met some other people like, along the way. Like, I started interning that were also Filipino from the Bay Area that was like fashion designers. And- cool. Uh-huh. Did you have any Filipino mentors that you worked with? There's this guy named Joseph Domingo. I only I interned, interned for him like once <gasps> or like he came he had a show in uh, in L.A. But he's from the Bay. Are we related, though? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I kind of saw how to like from beginning to end. He, I kind of helped him run a fashion show when they still had L.A. Fashion Week and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was really mm-hmm. cool to see like the ins and outs and. I didn't construct clothes, but I was more on like the styling end of things and like a uh, mm-hmm. show production and all that stuff. But that was really cool. So I guess my question now is, are there any younger people of color or Filipino artists out there that perhaps now you're the mentor and you're showing them the ropes? Uh, there are other there are younger people I do work with locally, but they're not necessarily Filipino. Okay. Mostly okay. all like um, persons of color. Got it. Okay. But I think in the Inland Empire... The Filipino community is like, unless it's like through some kind of like relatives or church kind of thing, there's no real like um, mm-hmm. intersection where creatives kind of meet on purpose for cre- mm-hmm. for Filipinos. So you are working with younger folks of color. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, how, how do those connections happen? Do they seek you out or mm-hmm. talk to us about how those connections are made? Yeah, some, I'm actually a couple of them out like just through Instagram. Uh, like, oh, I like what you do. Like, would you be down? I'm like, oh yeah, that's like a just to see what they're about. But it's cool to see like people that are gung ho about networking and learning. I think it's also like a generational thing because I don't take social media to heart mm-hmm. as much as the younger ones do where they, they utilize it way better than I should be, but they definitely are the future. You can tell. Yeah. I need to get better at social media. <laughs> <laughs> Does being Filipino manifest itself in any way in the way that you create art or the way that you network or the way that you engage with other people in the art space? To be honest, like I maybe took being culturally Filipino for granted, Mm -hmm. maybe into like the last two or three years. Since I was born in the Philippines, I don't really search out the culture as much as I should have or or see other people do. Mm. So when the last few years I, did a couple of trips and see people in the industry like photography and fashion. And it was cool to see people finding an identity through being Filipino. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that also like, like, Oh, like I can relate to that even more so because I spoke the language and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I kind of only thought about that maybe recently last few years were like, I need to make a better effort of connecting with these communities to preserve a culture since Filipinos adapt so fast. Filipino culture also has evolved the diaspora now like our generations kind of like I mean what we're doing now like talking about Filipino culture it's like a uncharted territory mm. like it's all new and it's all still true it's all still genuine and I think I want to be part of that this growth of Filipino culture that's uniquely ours very cool thanks oh so it's time for a break uh we'll be back with Willis <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Come on back. Come on we'll back. We'll see you in a second. We'll see you in a second. <laughs> 
Hey, Dustin. Hey, Crystal. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. And can you tell me why you're being, why you're so fantastic right now? Well, it's because I've been listening to this really cool podcast. It's called Me Search. Me Search. Hmm. Tell me more. Um. You know we've well. <laughs> <laughs> Not much to tell you since you've been there, but... <laughs> You're listening to MeSearch, a podcast featuring fill and perspectives. Let us know what you think. Rate us and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Catch new episodes on the first and third Wednesday each month. <laughs> well, I'll have to catch it, meaning I'll listen to our own episodes. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. We are back. We're back. All right. So, Willis, in your experience, what do you think is one of the biggest challenges about being an artist? I think for me, it's my location. Interesting. There's not as much happening. And it's, it's starting to grow. I mean, like, this is like, the, I'm in a gallery right now that's like one of the first of its kind. But like, it's a lot more, a lot more access in LA for arts in general. And I think... That makes it easier to network with other artists and other potential clients. And so the hardest thing for me is actually connecting and finding the right people in the area and seeing, try to see the growth out here. Mm-hmm. And as well, learning now is like challenges are just kind of like another opportunity to grow at something else. Mm, okay. So that's, I think, I think that's the, my biggest challenge is access. How, how important is networking when you're doing this work is networking important because you need to find space funding for specific projects or like a specific idea to work on i think it's a combination of like marketing and just the business side of art Mm -hmm. just having that networking opportunity is is very important because yeah. I would say like if one door closes and another one opens or whatever. Right. But um, it's so much easier to do art and not worry about how to pay for things. Mm-hmm. And so like you can find a backer that will like support you or your project or your group's project. That's definitely awesome. And to know the right people will lead to other stuff. Like I think on the personal end, it also helps to see other people's process creatively. Mm-hmm. When someone does something that's out of your lane, you can still be inspired by things they do. Like, oh man, this this painter does a process a certain way and like, Oh, I can apply that to the way I shoot photography or the way I look at things or mm-hmm. so I think everything like a, has a purpose and networking definitely helps the creative process and like the more um, business side of things. Cool. Oh, networking. That is my least favorite thing to do. I hate it. <laughs> Networking is definitely not my fave. <laughs> I think most like true creatives are like have a problem networking because if we're, we create internally, mm-hmm. we got to turn the switch on to be like, hey, so I heard that you have a thing. Um, like, not a- oh my God. You know what? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, uh, that's how I network. By the way, it's like... <laughs> Me too, Willis. I feel like if we were at a networking opportunity together, we'd be like, <laughs> we can be like, together. That's like, or like, you know, Ooh. I'm 
I'm so, I am the worst. Like, I don't, what is talking to people? Uh, help me. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not. Like I, uh, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For me, I feel like I have to practice my elevator pitch when I'm <sighs> out and about schmoozing with people. Because otherwise, what am I going to talk to you about? Because we're not friends. <laughs> so yeah, no, I have sure. to script my small talk. It's really awkward. It's kind of bad. Yeah. Have you ever like had like, say like someone you looked up to or like an idol that you went to go see and there was like an opportunity for you to meet them? And like huh. you like, mm, yeah. How did that go? <laughs> well, Crystal and I are friends now, so it turned out good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Success. Uh, <laughs> to answer that question, I remember going to a Kina Granis concert Ooh. a long time ago, back way back in the day, maybe 2007 or 2008, when she first came out. She had just done this Doritos competition where she submitted her original song or something. I don't know if you were familiar with with the YouTube scene in 2007, but this was before she was a really, really big artist. But she did a show at Cal State Long Beach. Yeah. And I went there with my friend Christian Kiambao, and we were just sitting there and I well, I was more like fangirling or fanboying, and then I went up to her and I said, "Oh my gosh, I love you! You're so good!" And then I bought her CD, <laughs> <laughs> and then I reached out to her sometime after, and um, because she wasn't so widely known or, or broadly popular or whatever, I managed to to propose a show for her to do at UC Riverside where I was going to school at the time. So I had an opportunity to sit with her and her mom uh, in the green room area. And I said to myself, oh my God, this is real. I love you. Hey. This is real. <laughs> that's, like, that's like legit networking from the beginning. Like you build. Yeah. Anyway, she and I are not really friends, but that was a really cool moment. <laughs> I don't know if she would remember me, but it was really special for me. Anyway, this wasn't. Uh, this is. This is your episode, not my episode. So. Um, <laughs> I think I, I. I think all the times that I've had to do that, I have blocked it out of my memory because they have all failed miserably, and I felt very horrible after <laughs> trying. Oh. And I just, I, yeah, it's just somewhere floating in my subconscious trying mm. to get out forever it's real hard but it's like a skill that i yeah. feel like as artists like we have to learn and if anybody wants to practice i'm down to practice you know um, <laughs> what's her name uh riza Girona. Mm -mm. she's like the uh, um creative for or she's one of the execs for um, revolve clothing She's uh -huh. Filipino. Oh, okay. And then, like, the main owner is Michael Mente. Anyway, they did this talk last year in LA, and I went. And then, like, there's a meet and greet kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my, oh my God. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, there's so many people, like, doing the same exact thing. And then, like, I, in my head, I'm like, did I just lower myself as a lower human trying to talk to a person? 
I don't take down their accomplishments and like they, I totally look up to them. They're like billionaires. These, the stock went public and it sold it for like five billion or something like that. Anyway, but I'm like, uh, it's weird because I, then I struggle with myself. Like, what's my self worth? Mm. I mean, it, it also inspires me though. I mean, but it's just because like, you know, she's born in the Philippines, came over here and now mm-hmm. she's like living the life. But, uh, but it's definitely like, I always come into a conflict with myself when I like try to approach someone. Yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to that. It's like this imposter syndrome that a lot of folks have where they feel like they're not good enough to speak to another human being yeah. who has made it. But these are really valuable connections. And oh, for sure. I feel like most people might be surprised to discover that that person that they looked up to is more than happy to have a conversation. Mm. And then they go out into their private jet. And- <laughs> <laughs> so, Kina Grannis, if you want to be my friend, I am still available for friendship. <laughs> like, what if like another box on the Zoom pops up and she's on there too? She <laughs> you joined this chat. <laughs> Kina. What's up, Kina? What's up? Hey. I would die. <laughs> All right. So, what is something that brings you joy when you work on your projects, Willis? Googly eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think just being in the creative process is like a mm-hmm. kind of like a mode that you change your mind into. Mm-hmm. It's the actuation of getting an idea out of my mind into the into this world. It's a mental zone that I I like. I think that's really cool. Right. It's like you're being um, your essence, whatever that essence is for you in that moment in the present gets to come out onto this very tangible thing that. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I gotcha. For musicians. And I think it's, that's super dope when you can, you hear it in your head and you hear it in real life kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? whether it's like a lyric or a note, mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing like a, for colors and stuff for artists and stuff. It's a very interesting zone to be in, like, you know. Right. Is there anything that you've created that you think to yourself, wow, holy cow, I made that? (laughs) Not so much I made that, but more like I pulled it off. Mm. Two or three years ago, I had a, in Chinatown in LA, I had a pop-up, like, art show. I never thought I'd have an art show. Mm -hmm. I guess I believe I couldn't. Mm-hmm. You actuate it and like, oh, that that's that's done. I had this whole installation done, you know, and it's in a shop in in LA. And like, okay, then I guess it's, it pumps you up to be able to do more stuff. I guess. Yeah. If I can do this, and I can definitely do more. Yeah. What is what is your creative process? Is is there like a specific map for you when you're trying to get this out into a tangible thing? Hmm. Um, Good question. I think I like I see things or feel things or there's the memories that you have, but at the same time, it hits you sometimes when you're not even wanting to be inspired. Mm-hmm. But uh, the pro- mm. from it's like a, a feeling and a, a vision that you have, and then like uh, you kind of come up with a physical form. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that has to wait for the right time to come out. Like I had this uh, art show last year that just sat around in my head. For like five years. Mm-hmm. Mm. Is there is there a specific um, creative process for you in your photography specifically? For me, I'm working on more black and white stuff now. But like before, I'm like 
Um, I, I do well with colors. So mm-hmm. if I see like a color blocks, like I kind of remember like a color scheme and then try to apply that in like a composing a photograph. Mm-hmm. But um, like say for um, commercial work, I suppose, I put like kind of like a mood board together, mm-hmm. textures and all that stuff and colors. And then from there, then I break it down to how I want the silhouette to look like. Mm-hmm. And pose and all that stuff. And then after that, and try to have an outline of what I do when I actually shoot. Mm-hmm. But then, so when I do shoot, it's like whatever happens in between the organic part is what I try to strive for. Because I don't want to have like a list of ideas in my head to do and then be rigid. But then sure. sometimes the, the art stuff is what happens organically in between. Are there any standard like photography composition rules that you consistently say that's a dumb rule and then you break it? I think all of them. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I know they talk about like that rule of thirds thing where you, you split up a picture into thirds. Mm-hmm. Those kind of rules, I think, are more to help you guide. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's good to know rules so you know which ones to break. Yeah. Know the box and then break it. Yeah, yeah. But um, I just try to go with like more feel before I had stuff in my head where I'm more critical about things and I end up not doing anything at all because I was overanalyzing. Mm, mm-hmm. if, if, if it moves you, then you should capture that feeling and then just run with it. Mm-hmm. Then you'll find you create something more meaningful. Yeah. Instead of rules, I just kind of go with the, the, the gut. I like that. Yeah. Go with, go with the gut. The gut is usually true. The gut usually has the answer (laughs) you just follow follow through with the gut the answer is in you (laughs) so willis imagine that you're standing in front of your younger self now knowing all of what you know about this industry and about this world of art what might you tell your younger self follow your gut and that's like it's funny a good segue (laughs) i think a lot of the times i second guess myself until like recently but um i think if i just pushed a little harder when i was younger it would lead me to where i needed to be faster instead of just like i don't know anymore i'm just gonna do something else but yeah just run them with gut just go run with it as hard as you can nice Willis, it's been fun hearing a bit about your journey as an artist so far, and we got to talking about your work as an advisory board member of the Artlands Gallery in the Inland Empire here in SoCal. We want to chat a little bit about some of your recent work and upcoming projects, so let's jump into a little bit of that. Willis, can you can you tell us more about the zine that you, you just released? So it's called Flower Ride, and I've been taking pictures of bicycles and flower shops and flower related things and just compile them all together. And so the whole reason why I did that was because I just need to get stuff out of my head and sitting on it for a long time and just like couldn't move on it. Mm-hmm. It's a physical form of the ideas I had in my head and it represents like the the, new, the next uh, iteration of me being an artist. I think that's the one thing I struggled with before it was he was like, I'm, I'm just a, a fashion dude that does photos. That, am I really an artist kind of thing? Mm-hmm. I am. And so this is like a piece of that. Mm-hmm. It is a statement that Willis is here and he is an artist. 
and you need to check him out. And if he hasn't run out of zines yet, go get one. And if you didn't, you're too late. <laughs> you should have hurried up, everybody. Y'all should have made a move. Gotta wait for the next one. <laughs> Any new and or exciting things that we should be keeping an eye out for? Um, I have a zine slash booklet that should be coming out soon. Ooh, a new one. Um, I've been in talks with a uh, with a uh, with a uh, with Kodak. They're gonna donate film. Cool. The plan was to do like a zine and a booklet with other artists in the area. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully younger ones too. So that's in the works right now. I can't wait to see it. So, Willis, say I'm a curator looking for some dope work to put in my gallery. How do I contact you or how do I find you? How can I find your work so I can be like, I need this artist's work in my gallery? You can find me on uh, com or at WillisTheGorilla on Instagram. Yes. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we can purchase, like, if you were to come out with other, other zines and other, um, or if you're to sell any of your artwork, we can contact you and find your work there as well. So mostly everything online is more portfolio stuff, but for, like, a individual pieces or just can contact for some kind of photography work. I definitely just Instagram probably like the easiest way to get up contact. Cool. Everyone's on Instagram these days. It's like the best. It seems like that's the best place to reach out to people for business inquiries and anything really. Yeah. It's the fastest, I think. Cool. Mm -hmm. So final question. What has put a smile on your face lately? Smile on my face lately was this um, shrimp shumai from uh, Ooh, yes. Tokyo Central Market in West Covina. Oh, yum. Like it's bomb. <laughs> I've been craving dim sum oh. and Korean barbecue, oh. basically all the all you can eat places. So, <laughs> oh man. I can't wait to be out and about. I know. Bring back the carts of dim sum, please. I need it in my life. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Willis, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for the amazing opportunity to be able to speak with fellow Filipinos. Yeah. Check them out. This was Willis Solomon. Woo-woo. Willis the gorilla. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. What a joy. Willis is so fun. Yeah. That was nice. I like that guy. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on the show, Willis. Um, what are what are some of your thoughts about this episode, Dustin? So okay. So I know that this is the part of the episode where we reflect and give our takeaways, but I just wanted to clarify something real quick. Mm-hmm. I did a bit of research about the butter dance lady. Mm-hmm. And when I say research, what I really mean is a never-ending black hole of Wikipedia articles and video interviews on the internet. Ah. Her name is Miladi Suryodharmo. She's a well-respected long-durational performance artist, which basically just means that her performances typically last for multiple hours and sometimes days. Very cool. And the butter dance video I thought was long because it was 20 minutes of her just dancing and falling Uh, on top of blocks of melted butter. But actually, Mm -hmm. that performance is actually one of her relatively short performances. Hmm. 
and she's not Filipino. She's actually Indonesian. And the original audio of the Butter Dance video is not is not Adele's "Someone Like You." Surprisingly, ah, she's actually dancing to ceremonial Indonesian music.、Mm. And again, she's not a Filipino, but we're fans. I'm a fan. Yeah.、And、if anyone out there has connections, I think Crystal and I would still love to chat with her. <laughs> yeah. No. Definitely. You know, like I <laughs> going to Cal Arts, like. Something as experimental as this is not new to me. That was my life、mm-hmm. for three years. Like performances like this. Like for example, like in my first year at Cal Arts, I was the essence of milk in a performance of Macbeth. I won't get into that because it's a long. That's also another. Can you give me the Cliff Notes version of that? That sounds interesting. How do you? How does one become the essence of milk? I don't know what the Cliff Notes version of that would be. <laughs> Did you have lines? Uh, I did, I did, but it has a lot to do with motherhood and blood and、uh, breastfeeding.、Um, it has a lot to do with、uh, Lady M's big、uh, monologue in Macbeth、um, about sucking her teats. So、uh, interesting, and like what that and what that means in the whole grand scheme of things in the landscape of Macbeth and. Yeah. Anyway, so experimental. I'm so here for it. I love, I love diving into work that is like Malatis,、mm-hmm. and it's it's an it's also kind of unfortunate that the internet has kind of made it a meme. Made it made it a meme and has also kind of, not kind of, it has diluted it with putting Adele's music on top of you know what the real meaning I'm sure of this piece was. So internet, come on, <laughs> let's come on, do、internet. a little better.、Um, but yeah, I would, I would love to meet her and talk about her process, and also dive in into dive into more of her work now that I have a name. Yeah, long durational performance. Yeah, thank you for sharing. You're welcome, Dustin. Thank you for doing the research. Oh yeah, of course. This is me search, and we do research on me search. <laughs>、uh, I have to apologize. To you, Crystal. Why? Because I've seen a lot of your performances, but unfortunately, I don't know where I was. But I missed out on the essence of milk. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Not a lot of people saw my performance as the essence of milk. It was it was my first year in directing lab, and I、um, Scarlett. Oh, shout out to Scarlett Kim. I don't know if she's listening, but、um, Scarlett Kim is just a phenomenal director, and you need to check out her work.、Um, it has been such an experience, like a growing experience as an artist. Getting to、uh, collaborate with her、um, when I was at Cal Arts, and and it'd be really wonderful to collaborate with her again. But、um, she just, she's just phenomenal, and you need to check Scarlett Kim out.、Um, I think if you Google her name, you you'll find her website. Scarlett, hello, Scarlett. Hello, Scarlett.、Um, but yeah, that performance was just for for folks who were. On campus that that day, it was. I really a, wish I would have seen it. I that know. Was, it sounds interesting. Yeah, it's it was it was really it it was an interesting and and really、um, mind expanding. 
process learning and trying to embrace being the essence of milk. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Next Halloween, I'm going to be the essence of milk. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to <laughs> let's get back to the the episode here. So I think um, one thing that I did take away from our conversation with Willis is that, you know, there's a lot of types of art out there that I didn't necessarily, Mm -hmm. that I didn't feel like I was aware of fully. And I enjoyed hearing his explanation of all of the different types of art out there. Mm -hmm. And in my little brain, what normally comes to mind when I think of art, especially art that's displayed in galleries or museums, Mm -hmm. is that it's typically like paintings or sculptures, Mm -hmm. but... It got me really hyped to learn more about the different mediums of art and installation art, yeah. especially. Oh, my gosh, Boo. We need to go to a gallery night once Cal Arts opens again. Sure. Because, oh, man. So shout out to Cal Arts and all the Cal Artians who are holding it down. Um, Thursday night gallery night is just an explosion of all the incredible work that is happening at Cal Arts and all these emerging artists. Um, and there's all sorts of mediums of art on that day. Um, and it's just, is that a weekly thing, a monthly thing? It's a weekly thing every Thursday, like gallery night. And then, um, there's also CalArts Expo that, um, I would love to take you once CalArts opens. Come on, pandemic, let's end this. Um, (laughs) but yeah, we should go sometime and check out some, some cool work. Yeah. That's that's awesome. I would love to. Yeah. Anyway, with with Willis, what I really appreciate about how he described what he does is that, you know, he refers to some of his work as the physical form of the thoughts and feelings that live within him. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's like so amazing to think that we as human beings have the capacity to be the architect of an idea or vision of something that does not yet exist in the physical world. Yes. Yes. I love it. I love, I love that we have that potential and that capability as humans Mm -hmm. and then to take it a step further and make it tangible. Absolutely. Yes. Here for it. Here for it. I, yeah. Shout out to art. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, there's just, there's so many unique feelings and ideas that live within us and sometimes we just we just got to break the mold and let it out in whatever form or fashion or medium that speaks to us and and I just I'm I think there's times that society well oftentimes really or feels like all the time (laughs) society (laughs) tells us that whatever lives inside whatever lives inside you is wrong or is not worthy of sharing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so there's like the obvious societal pressures for Willis to be like his cousins who did the Filipino thing, quote unquote, like becoming a nurse. But I think he was blessed that his family understood that his journey was meant to be something different. And, you know, it's like, who is to say that what lives in you is wrong? Like, I cannot with people. (laughs) 
you know? <laughs> no, I, I just can't. It's like, let's let's just like let folks live as they do, as long as it's not hurting anybody. And they again, it's like coming coming back to who you are and letting letting that live and exist authentically, I think, is mm-hmm. one of the most important things that we can do in our lifetime and in our existence in this world. And for society to tell us not to do that is like frustrating is like an understatement, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But what really hit me hard was when Willis said, uh, you just got to trust your gut and run with it. We need to trust ourselves. We, we, we are taught to not trust ourselves, but I am telling y'all, we need to trust ourselves. We are enough. It's in you. It is in you. So we we talked a bit about the imposter syndrome in this conversation with Willis. Mm-hmm. And for folks who are unfamiliar, the Cliff Notes version of it is that it's the it's like this persistent feeling of not being good enough coupled with the fear of being found out or the fear of being outed as a fraud. Mm-hmm. So Willis spoke to this a bit. He revealed to us that he constantly second guesses himself. And sometimes feels like he's not a real artist. Uh, but you a real artist, boo. He is, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, you know, I, I feel like part of why a lot of creatives have that in the back of their mind is because it's a learned behavior. Mm. Ah, come on, y'all. Come on, society. <laughs> society. Uh, <laughs> you know, like when we're kids, we're pressured to not trust our gut just because we're young, just because we're kids. Now, of course, developmental growth, of course, needs to happen. And, you know, our decision making is not like the best. Yeah, there's like still a maturity thing that you still need to take into account. Yeah. Yeah. But, 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 but I think we need to give our youth a lot more credit than we do now. Because Mm -hmm. a feeling is a feeling and that's valid. And when we when we perpetuate this invalidation of our children's feelings just because they're children like mm-hmm. that, that, you know, that affects them as, an, as, as adults. Yeah. That's like childhood trauma that carries over until you're like well into adulthood. Absolutely. And I know I have that, you know, the feelings all come from somewhere and it is meant for some kind of lesson, even if it does turn out that your gut was wrong, mm. it's still it's still a learning opportunity. Mm. And as humans, we can't be right all the time, even as adults. It doesn't matter how old you are. Our gut could could or could not be wrong. My, my partner tells me I'm always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> but but yeah, even again, even if if your gut is wrong in that, you know, in particular moments in life, it's still valuable to learn and to still trust yourself. And too often we're told that our inner voice as children lacks validity. But again, it's, it's, it's telling, it's telling as adults when we're, when we're older and when we look back at our life and we say, oh man, I should have followed my gut or I should have followed my instincts. And at that moment, we we all say that as adults. So I think Mm -hmm. that's a lesson for us now as adults to say, hey, 
the next generation, like, I don't want them to be saying those things when they're my mm. age, you know? No regrets, folks. No regrets. Yeah. No regrets. <laughs> um, yeah. No regrets. We need to step up as this generation to be better at how we support our youth and our kids coming up. Because if we want the world to change, you know, they need to they need to have that ferocity and that trust in themselves that they can make change. Right. That kind of ties into another topic that we covered with Willis, which is the importance of mentorship. Mm. So mm-hmm. he called out folks like Joseph Domingo, who I don't know if we're related, but shout outs to Joseph Domingo. <laughs> but he, he's a designer in the Bay, right? And remember Willis did an internship for him? Yeah. And he, so he learned a lot of ins and outs when it came to fashion and executing a fashion show as an intern. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's really great that Willis is now doing the work to build up his own community in the Inland Empire by being a mentor to younger artists of color. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that has like long-term effects for the good. Yeah. So what are your thoughts about mentorship? Well, first, I think it is so important, especially for Filipinos and other people of color, whether it's art or any other industry, that when it comes to art, we need we need more intersections for art and identity. I think art is a way we can learn about who we are and about others. It's definitely one of these really strong avenues that can elicit, you know, reflection and mm. self-introspection and you know, wanting wanting to do the me search yeah. and the research. I know that I know art and for me uh, specifically uh, performance art has really made me it really was the impetus for me of of wanting to get to know my Filipino roots better and how to be better in the community. And as as a community that prides itself in family and being with one another, how are we? how are we meaningfully learning about each other and our history and our ancestors? Like what are we actually doing to, to get to the bottom of things? Wow. I'm just using all of our slogans right now, boo. Um, But it's true. How do we get to the bottom of things folks? Yeah. How do we do that effectively that, that includes everyone in, you know, the, the conversation. And there's so many, many ways to do that. And, and what Wells is doing is definitely one of those ways. And I think it's amazing. And I hope that we see more, we see more art where we can learn about our cultures and the people around us and how can we better, better understand each other and how can we how, butter? Yeah. Still on that butter tip. <laughs> Sorry. That's that was so funny. <laughs> uh, but how how are we evolving, everyone? Yeah. How are, okay. That's yeah. a question. Yeah. How are we how are we evolving? How are we doing butter? <laughs> and this is great food <laughs> for thought. It is. It is. <laughs> oh, that's so wonderful how that just so happened to it worked out. We brought it back. Come out of my mouth. You know? and we brought it back. We circled back. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Any other final thoughts um, as we close out? 
yeah, I just, you know, uh, more power to you, Willis. Um, I'm excited to see where your work goes and, um, yeah. And, and hey, happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. However you are celebrating, you know, um, here's a hug. <laughs> here's a hug. A virtual hug. A, a virtual hug. A virtual hug. A virtual hug. Make sure to subscribe to MeSearch wherever you listen to podcasts. Find new episodes on the first and third Wednesday every month. Check us out at MeSearchPodcast.com. And find us on social media at MeSearchPodcast. MeSearch is produced and hosted by Dustin Domingo and Crystal Tugatti. Editing by Dustin Domingo. Special thanks to our guest, Willis Solomon. Follow him at WillisTheGorilla and visit WillisTheGorilla.com. Learn more about the Artlands Gallery at theartlands.org. Shout outs to all our friends and family giving this podcast a shot. We'll catch you all at the next episode. We're going to get to the bottom of things. This is me, Search, folks. Woo! Yay!